Hello, it's uh, Chuck Chuck Peterson here with uh, the Other Kind Radio. I'm outside of the Double Theater here in Los Angeles. Um, a couple days early uh, of the Oscars, but here to uh, uh, just get a good seat at the red carpet. Not even though you sit there, you stand there and see if we can capture or see anybody famous this early. As you can hear in the background, there are a number of dump trucks going by, which is very curious. Wait, 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 I I think I see uh, uh, you, sir, you, you in the, with the fanny pack. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I believe we've got, uh, that's a hit purse, not a fanny pack. I believe we've got, uh, we might have, uh, let me, uh, let me tell the background noise to back down a little bit. I think we might have, uh, Todd from the other kind radio. Todd, Todd, are you there? What, what was your name again? Uh, Hank Henderson. I thought it was Chuck. Chuck. I go by Hank Chuck. <laughs> are you excited about the Oscars? Are you here to get an, uh, an early seat? Where are you going right now? I was going to McDonald's to grab a Big Mac. It's a couple days before the Oscars. Nobody's going in yet. A uh, couple days. Uh-oh. Well, that's, that's going to do it for me, Hank Henderson. Thank you to Todd for his time today. I guess hey, I'm, Chuck. Yeah. Why don't you get inside and do the show? Okay. All right. from the studios here in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to another edition of The Other Kind Radio, Talk Radio. The Other Kind Radio. Today is February 7th, even though I have 7 and ND written down, so that would be 7 2020, and this is episode 79. Real quick for those people that are keeping uh, track, today is National Wear Red Day. In conjunction with National Fettuccine Alfredo Day, National Periodic Table Day, National Send a Card to a Friend Day, and National Bubblegum Day. Not sure how all of that ties in together. The Other Kind Radio is a weekly podcast in which Todd and Jeff ping pong around all things pop culture and deliver it to you, the kind listener. My name is Jeff. I'm one of your hosts. Todd will be on in a moment. Returning kind listeners, welcome back to the program. First-time listeners are congratulated on finding us amongst the plethora of podcasts that are out there. Todd and I are glad you're here. We hope you stick around. We encourage all of our listeners to like, subscribe, The Other Kind Radio. By doing so, you will help feeding the algorithm. And believe it or not, there is an algorithm that keeps the podcast universe spinning and our show in its gravitational pull. This week on The Other Kind Radio... Helpful tips for predicting the Oscars. I don't know if you're in an Oscar pool or you're thinking about getting into it. Uh, We've got some helpful tips on how to pick the winners. And then it's one of my favorite shows, and I know it's one of the kind listeners' favorite. It's our second annual Oscar prediction show, Todd versus Jeff. And in order to do that, I've got to bring in my podcast partner, 
Let me take a big breath here. He is a family generator, generator, movie maker, guitar and drum player, book author, dive bar boombox founder, and all around renaissance man, live from his studio in the great city of Texas and delivering the pop culture significance of the number 79. Let's welcome Todd. Hi, Chuck. How are you? <laughs> oh, wait. Was it Dave? Was it Stan? One of the one of the little known facts of not being prepared is you have to bull you have to bull yourself out of a situation. But I appreciate you calling me out on it. It was good. <laughs> Anytime. You know, one of my very favorite things in the whole world is when you go into nineteen twenties through forties <laughs> news reporter. This is so and so on the scene. See, I'm I I yeah, I I got up at four o'clock this morning to try and get some of these production elements done. And that's what I should have done. I should have been like, yeah, you see, there's a man with no pants on. It's Todd. <laughs> a fanny pack. You know, <laughs> that is, it, that it takes me back. Go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it takes me back to when we were working together at the unnamed company years ago. I don't know if you remember that I, I came up with a little segment to show off the uh, PR footage that we would see all the time th coming through the, the main corporate office. And what I did was, Hey, let's assemble it like a 1920s newsreel. The segment at us is Kane, and I would do the voiceover. I'm I'm not a voiceover talent. I just I'm not. I wish at that time you wouldn't have been shy, Jeff, and you would have been Chuck and stepped forward because <laughs> it's a great voice. Thank you, sir. Uh, speaking of fanny packs, we all know that uh, superstar Steve rocks the fanny pack and has done so for decades. I did notice on the Kansas City Chiefs celebratory. Uh, parade day for their win in the Super Bowl. None cool. other than their all-star quarterback, MVP, Holmes Mahomes, was wearing a fanny pack the same way Steve does, which is in the front. Uh, you know, have you ever worn a fanny pack, Jeff? <laughs> no. Yeah, I, it is so not me. And it's just because yeah, if you if you were to have me empty my pockets, I'm one of those people that goes and gets the micro wallet so that everything is super thin because I don't like crap in my pockets. I don't right. like crap hanging on me. But yeah, you're right. Steve will pull that thing out. And I'm like, all right, brother, man, if that that makes you happy, who am I to knock it? <laughs> right, right. Did you have a all good? Right. Did you have a good pop culture? Oh, yes, we got. I'm gonna this up. Let's rewind. No, 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 no. You go ahead and ask your question. We're we're really having a. I'm telling you, it's because you brought me in off the street, and I'm still putting down the virtual fanny pack. I think it's because I'm standing today too. Um, it? I was gonna. No, I was. Nah, I can't remember what I was gonna ask. Super Bowl it. talk. Super, Super Bowl, game talk. Super game talk. Oh, I was just gonna ask you if you had a good pop culture week. Yeah, did you get some pop culture going this week? Let's see. I did, and I thought of you, and I thought I'd save it till today. So I finished the show, The Witcher. Ah, and I'm so vastly confused, but absolutely endlessly entertained. I don't know what that show's about. I can't figure out the timelines. I don't think they know what's going on. And it was only whenever I looked at my Xbox Game Pass and I could download The Witcher Three that I started playing the very first of the game. I went, oh, okay. Here, Geralt and um, Yennefer are actually a couple. Okay, I get that now. <laughs> Siri is kind of like a surrogate daughter. I get this. None of that crap happens no. in this show, and it can't figure out where it's going, and it doesn't do anything to allude to anything about. Hey, dude, that that show's a mess. It, it is. It's a it's a beautiful mess. It is a beautiful mess. I yes. will say that. 
Uh, I'm starting. I, I watched the. Um, I'm watching uh, The Stranger, which is a British. It's on Netflix. Uh, and then I've also watched the. Oh gosh, come on, brain. What's the person that works in a drugstore that uh, fulfills pharmacist. your? Yes, the pharmacist. So okay. watch those two things. I should post on Twitter or Instagram what I thought of those. But let's jump into your most important segment, which is the pop culture significance of the number 79. 79's kind of kind of got a lot as far as all these lovely mathematician type things. <laughs> I love this. It's an odd number. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Um it's the smallest prime number P for which the real quadratic field Q has class number greater than one, namely three. And that puts to end the, the math portion of this show. <laughs> My God. Uh, let's look at what happens in the year 1979. Let's see. And you know how you should have done more with your pre-production? Well, you were just coming in off the street, though. Yeah, I, I was. And, and it, I had my notes in my fanny pack, but I think I left them out there. <laughs> this would have been the year that uh, the, the number one toy was the Mego Star Trek line. Did you ever have those? The actual tall figures? Or, or are you too young for that? Mm. Anyone that knows Mego, Mego was this really cool toy line before action figures became the thing. You know, oh. they actually, So Mego actually had cloth costumes and there's there's a wonderful documentary for your pop culture toy nerds it's on netflix called the toys that made us have you ever watched any of that jeff yeah i think i watched the one on the transformers maybe or gi joe yeah they they have that it's a it's a really interesting little series so if if, if you're curious at all about that mega toy line or you had any of that stuff because it was the first place where you could get batman figures star trek figures yeah. planet of the eight figures so go out and watch that. But in 1979, the YMCA sued the village people for libel because of their song of the same name. Ah. Hmm. Sid Vicious, a former member of the Sex Pistols, dies due to a heroin overdose. Ooh, dark. Yeah. Oops. Popular films in 1979, Superman movie, Every Which Way But Loose, Rocky II, Alien. Ooh. Oh, my goodness, was my childhood disturbed from that point on. Nobody can hear you scream in space. The Muppet movie, one of the great inclusions of the master Orson Welles at the end of that film. Timothy Frogger. Probably my first occurrence with realizing that not every marriage in the world is happy. The film Kramer versus Kramer. Oh, yeah. Very good movie. And, and the one that really sticks out to me here is The Deer Hunter. I will never forget. My parents went to see it. Of course, it did not take me. But after it was over, I remember uh, my sister and I had been to see a movie in an adjoining theater theater. My parents went and I was like, Hey mom, how was your movie? And she was crying. Oh, and I was like, uh, what'd you do to her dad? So one of those great movies, if you've, have you ever seen the deer hunter? I have. It's, I believe it's the one about the, uh, uh, vet coming back from, from Vietnam. Right. Oh God. Reductionist Jeff just completely (laughs) enveloped this conversation. Is that a character? Is that what it is though? That's the storyline, the basic storyline. I just don't remember a lot of deer hunting. It wasn't deer hunting. It oh. was it was about Vietnam vets and you know really uh, sad. Well, I, I yeah, but it, was there more than one? 
Okay, uh, moving on. <laughs> Top popular acts of music at that time. Michael Jackson really made his uh, entrance to the scene as a solo artist. Strong, the Commodores, Pink Floyd. The police begin their ascent to be one of the greatest bands of the 80s. Top TV programming, Masterpiece Theater, MASH, Price is Right, The Waltons, which every one of us of that age has at some point said goodnight, John Boy. Was The Waltons where they had that one guy that was out hunting deer? No, was the Waltons, was that the one where the kids are falling through the field? Dude, <laughs> when did your pop culture awareness begin? Wasn't the beginning credits of the Waltons where... Like, ba, 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 ba. The, no, I'm thinking, maybe that's... Da, 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 what's the church da, da, da. one that had what's-his-face on it? The big guy with, like, the stone jaw? I have no idea what you're talking okay. about. The Waltons was, I, I, I wish, you know, and I'm not going to waste the, the listener's time looking it up, but okay. it was the recollections of one writer and his growing up de- depression era. Uh, it was a wholesome show, but, you know, probably confronted some themes that were a little scary for that time. But other things that really hit, that hit with, resonated with us, you had Happy Days, Little House on the Prairie. That was the one I was thinking of. Little House on the Prairie where they run through the field and the kid falls down. Never mind. <laughs> wow. So, you know, then moving on, born born in the year 1979, Kate Hudson, Jennifer Love Hewitt. And since we're kind of talking about the Academy Awards today, this was the year which that the great Heath Ledger was born, no longer with us, winning posthumously for his performance in The Dark Knight. And that kind of at least opens the fact that I think today, are we even doing a Todd's take, Jeff Judgment? Or are we just diving full bore into the the Oscars? We you can you can if you want to add that in. I just figured we're a little crunched on time, so I figured go. we'd go into the helpful tips for predicting the Oscars, and then we'll uh, do our our actual predictions. And, and it, to that point, if if you don't mind me saying, that was one thing that I threw at you last week was that. Look, I'll do this competition with you. I'm kind of tired of winning. Um, <laughs> that means I'll lose today. Um, but I, what I want to do is for the the kind listener out there that's going to an Oscar party, let us help you. If yes. you have an Oscar pool, this is how you do it. Uh, and this really gets down to the math of this award show, which I'm going to tell you, I have a gig Sunday night, so I'm not going to be able to watch it live. I will be traveling for business on Sunday, and I don't know if I'll be able to watch it live. You know what? Which definitely means I'm going to win. What? That's what DVRs are for. That's what DVRs are for. For Oscars. This is a reporting show today so far. I mean, we are killing it. (laughs) For Oscars. The Waltons. I'll record some Sesame Street too. Do you want me to get my guitar out for you? <laughs> I don't know why we're so goofy today. I think it's I think it's Oscar heat. I'm feeling the Oscar heat, the pulse, the vibe. Okay, then let me ask you, sure. before we get into this, one of the things that this year has been really kind of interesting is in the pre-award shows, you know, the the screen actors guilds, the directors guilds. You've seen the voting populace kind of point one way, but there's been a lot of, I'm going to applaud and cheer for a film that, you know what, ain't going to win. So the whole audience looks and says, woo, I love this film, but the other one wins, which means they voted that way, but I want you to know about it. Right. So I'm going to ask you, if you had one film of all these that you've seen, one out of all of them, what would be your film this year to cheer for? Or like... uh Anything. You just pick it something that really resonated with you and you wanted 
if you voted one way because you felt that's the way that it had oh. to go, but you wanted to have a standout, you'd cheer for it. Heart versus strategy. Um, I don't know. I think they. I think they both got my heart. Well, no, you're right. You're right. I see what you're saying. Um, probably uh, Jojo Rabbit. I have a feeling that Joker or it has in 1917 are probably going to be closer to winning that. But Jojo Rabbit was really good. Have you seen I that? Really? Yet? No, I, okay. I had tickets to go and I got a lovely cold and decided to stay home. And now it's down to that thing. When I look at my favorite cinema, it's showing like at one o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, well, <laughs> some of us have to work. Right. So I'm, I'm going to try and get over. Maybe I think they added a five o'clock. And so I'm going to see if I can't get over today. I Okay. It and Ford versus Ferrari, the only best picture nominees I haven't seen. Ford versus Ferrari is on my DVR. Yeah. yeah. So I will see them before Sunday. Cool. Um, for me, if I, you know, if I had to cheer. Yes. Man, it, it's hard for me because I look at this and if I'm looking best picture, I I was even talking with my daughter last night. She she's taken a class this year, um, English that her English teacher has a degree in film and said, you know what we're doing this year? We're writing film criticism. That's what everything Ooh. is. Abby comes home and goes, will you help me? And I'm like, you betcha, dude. We'll watch some movies and we'll talk about themes. You go write it. Well, she had to pick a new film. And what she wants to do is write about little women, which I, you still not seen that. Have no, you? I haven't. I, I'm telling you, it is a beautiful film. It will probably be amongst these, the one that I might revisit along with Joker. Yeah. Um, it, it really is a beautiful resonant film that I, I feel that Hollywood just doesn't think there's enough there for them to award. So that might be my personal cheer for the year. I'm digging it. I'm digging it. All right. So the kind listener has decided to swing by our sponsor's location. That's Pub 134 and 90th and Maple here in Omaha, Nebraska. Get themselves a frosty beverage and fill out their Oscar prediction sheet or their Oscar ballot. Let's step into Pub 134. Also, uh, like I said, a sponsor. Uh, can't wait to take Todd there. If I could magically transport him here, I would take him here uh, right now, which would be weird because they're not open. They open at 3 o'clock every day. And uh, introduce him to Nick. And Nick would... Uh, I, I, have you ever had a friend that you're nervous to introduce to another friend because that friend is probably going to be a cooler friend than the friend thinks you are a cool friend. That's I don't have any friends. That's my, <laughs> that's my fear with Nick is like, I'm going to introduce you and Nick. And then you guys are going to just like take off together into this film discussion. And then I'll be, you know, I'll be stuck playing with Legos, which is cool. I like Legos. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you. Pub one, three, four, for being a sponsor. Omaha, you need to go to pub one, three, four, uh, their, their website, one pub, one, three, four.com gives their drink specials. And I was in there just last night and we we're in the works, uh, of possibly doing one of our live broadcasts from the pub. So does that mean I get to come up there again? Yeah, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. So, uh, yes, Dude. of course, of course. Yeah. You would be there. Um, so pub, pub one, three, four, go see them. I'm the other kind of radio sent you. All right. So. They're at Pub 134. They're having their frosty beverage. They have their, their ballot in hand. What are some things they should take into consideration before they start filling out the sheet? Anytime you're ever looking at predicting the Oscars, let's, I'm going to start at the big dog at the top, and that being Best Picture. You have to look 
not just at achievements in filmmaking, but what does the Academy want to believe is their message for the year? Right. What is an important film? So if I'm going to look at these, I'm going to name these and we'll get into more granularity in a moment. <clears throat> Best picture, you've got Ford versus Ferrari. N good film, n not important enough. The Irishman, great film by a great director, not important enough. Jojo Rabbit, scary because it's a satire about a, a odd subject. Joker could win because it has billions of dollars behind it, but you want to talk about a scary take on mental health and gun control. Little women, they aren't willing to look that it's a very big feminist statement. They think it's just about little women. Marriage Story, another film about marriage and divorce. 1917, a master at work telling a war story in the midst of hard times. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, odd satire about if you could fix history, essentially. And Parasite, a foreign film that has garnered everything from the all kinds of different award shows to the Palme d'Or prestige film. If I'm looking at that and I take all that into account, there are only two films here that can win, and that is 1917 and Parasite. 1917, always war stories are always going to get the Academy to go, okay. You have something definitely deep to say. Parasite, ooh, artistic, makes us look like we create art. Now, I, am not, I do not say that to diminish Parasite. I've seen it. I, I said last week, I wasn't the biggest fan. I'll probably see it again. I might like it more whenever I'm prepared for the tone. You have to look at those kind of factors because, again, there, I, immediately when I'm looking at this list, I can say Ford versus Ferrari, Jojo Rabbit, Little Women, Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood probably don't even come into the conversation. Right. So that's almost you just if you want to win, you want to win your Oscar pool, you just have to look at how the Academy operates. Now, are there occurrences where that formula is wrong? Absolutely. Because then what can happen? Let's say it's between Irishman 1917 and Parasite. Well, now you have three films that everybody's kind of voting for and it splits the vote. And that's when a Jojo Rabbit sneaks to the top because it still garners enough attention. Right. But those others have split the vote. If you're if you want a safe bet, look at what is prestige, look at what is message, look at what makes them look like they created art for the year. So um, my question to you is in regards to if you take something like like Best Picture or uh, some of the other big uh, awards for the night, <clears throat> would it be safe to say as I'm filling out my ballot and I think that 1917 is going to win best, best Picture, that when it comes to visual effects or sound mixing, there might be a chance for the Academy to make up for not selecting uh, Jojo Rabbit as, as best film, but they're going to give them a, a, a nod by giving them, you know, best editing, sound editing or sound mixing. Yeah, there's definitely a case to be made for that. And in my opinion, it happens in a tier based system. And this is, you know, this is, again, I've watched way too many of these award shows and you start looking at how it works, but usually um, and I'm going to see if I can quickly scroll to it. The next yeah. award that that kind of thinking begins to take place are in uh, writing. Ah. So let's see, I'm scrolling down, scrolling down. And of course, you know, writing where it all begins is not at the top of their list. What bunch of ding dongs <laughs> writing yeah. adapted screenplay. Let's start there. Irishman, Jojo rabbit, Joker, little women, the two popes. If I'm looking at that, the two popes has no shot. Um, 
I, I'm going to tell you, see, I look at that and I think Little Women. Right. Because they know it's a film that is very respected. Respected. Greta Gerwig, the, the director and writer, is a huge up-and-coming talent. And what are they going to do? They're going to go, oh, we didn't give it to you here. We're going to give it to you here. So we got to look at what what's, uh, what what Hollywood thinks is making art. And then we also got to look at um, you know, possible nods or smaller category wins for, for films that, that may not get that that big award, best picture, blah, blah, blah. That's that's a great way of putting it, Jeff. You're looking at smaller category films. They can still say, wow, you won. It's in your hands. Right. And it is such a cynical BS type thing. You can even look at for original screenplay. You got Knives Out, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. If Parasite wins this, I would almost say, well, this this weird year's weird because when I mentioned the film that's getting the ovations but not all the wins, yeah, it's Parasite. Everywhere right. you go, people are cheering for Parasite. This year is kind of weird. If Parasite wins, I would usually say it's not going to win Best Picture, right? But it could be this year that it could be the door opening to it. So this year's a little weird. But usually, if I'm also looking at that, that's up against Quentin Tarantino, which is one of their favorite people to believe that they all make movies as good as he does, and they give him those kind of awards. And he's only won an Oscar for screenplay, right? I believe that. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So could be that another factor. So we've got two tips. One, um, look at what Hollywood's message is. The second one being. Uh, think about if, you know, you have a particular film that you think is going to take uh best picture, look at the subcategories, what would be our third, and I know I'm putting you on the spot here, what would be our third uh, tip uh, for uh, helping our kind listeners pick their winners for the Oscars? Well, you know, the, the acting awards are usually pretty easy, so I'm not even going to waste time on that. I mean, that's like this year, if Joaquin Phoenix doesn't win for Joker, I think everybody in the world would probably go, what? Yeah. But let's say that you, you're in a weighted pool, meaning that your best picture nominee gets you more points. If you want to look at how the night's going, and let's say you, I've been to parties where you aren't allowed to pre-pick. You have to say, here's what we're putting in. So if I begin Ooh. to see, I'm, I'm going to say that 1917 is the eventual winner. I'm just doing that hypothetically. Copy. If I begin to see film editing, 1917, cinematography, 1917, I begin to know 1917 has the sentiment of being the one that wins. Ah. Usually film editing goes along with best picture. It's not always the case. Best director doesn't always go along, which good Lord, you want to talk about absolute sheer craziness, <laughs> how you can award something as subjective as a best director. Yeah. You know, for those of you that don't really get down to it, directing Directing is you're the person with the singular vision and every question eventually comes to you. Yeah. Oh, that, no, I don't think that that costume is right. The wool is too heavy. We need to, she needs to look more like it came out the back of her closet instead of the front of it. Oh, what lens do you want to use? Oh, wait, hang on. You want to record this. They, they do everything. They yeah. direct the entirety of it. So, and this, without getting into too big of a rant, it's not just that the best director can be somebody different. It's the fact that you've got, eight pictures, nine pictures this year. Yeah. And you don't have nine best director candidates. That is absolute absurdity. It should go hand in hand, best picture, best director. You know, they, they should automatically be awarded, but usually I'd say probably three fourths of the time, whoever wins best director is going to end up being best picture. So these kind of things you can begin to look, it's like a a stair step of which one's ascending. Now there are times where, 
you go back to one of my favorite films of all time, Star Wars wins almost every technical award and then loses to Woody Allen's Annie Hall. A really well-made film, inarguably, in fact, one of the better romantic comedies that goes on to influence romantic comedies for the next probably 50 years. But to even take it to that point where the directing effort was somehow lesser for Star Wars than it was for Annie Hall, you begin to look at, well, sometimes the math doesn't add up. They can look at a film like Star Wars and say, wow, technically it's really good. Right. But we don't think it's art. And that's kind of where it gets into. So you have to at least, there are a lot of factors like that when you're picking winners that you have to take into account. It's not a proven science, but it's usually pretty predictable. Yes, especially uh, for the two-time champion, back-to-back champion, <laughs> which I hope to to uh, uh, end the streak, so to speak. Um, uh, I think can those. I, can I say something to the kind listener? Yeah, real, absolutely. Real quick, they're, they're listening. So this year, <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick the wrong winner just so Jeff wins, and I'm going to let him have a moment. Don't anyone tell him. Hey, Jeff, you can come back now. Okay, all right. I I was uh, I didn't hear anything. I took my headphones off there. Um, all right, so let's get into it. Without further ado, folks, let's do this. Where are we starting, Jeff? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the second annual Todd versus Jeff Oscar prediction show. Todd, the two-time champion, undefeated, bulletproof. He is the master class. Jeff, defeated twice, two years in a row, doesn't know a damn thing, minimizes very meaningful movies like The Deer Hunter, is so low, his ego crushed. Can he do it this year, folks? Here's some inspirational music for you to listen to. I'm back. What happened? I'd like to thank you two's the edge for sitting in with a bad drum machine for that <laughs> opening music. You can't make me laugh like that. I'm gonna blow out the <laughs> that uh that music was brought to us by uh some royalty free sounds on SoundCloud. So there you go. But awesome. it it does sound like me playing the drums, doesn't it? <clears throat> All right. Here we go. Let's should we um so I went and printed out the Oscar ballot. So I'm just going to go down the list if that's okay with you. It is. I, I'm working off of OscarGo.com. So just tell me where we're going and I'll I'll jump to it. Copy that. All right. Our first category is actor in a leading role. Um, Anita Banderas, Pain and Glory. Leonardo DiCaprio, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Adam Driver, Marriage Story. Joaquin Phoenix, Joker. And Jonathan Price, The Two Popes. There's a lot of sentiment out there for Antonio Banderas with Pain and Glory. Um, nothing, no sentiment could come close to opening a door for him to step past Joaquin Phoenix. This is Joaquin Phoenix's award. It, if there's one that's been locked up since early point of the year, this is it. As, uh, is Pain and Glory, is that the one where the miners are trapped in the shaft? I don't believe so. Oh, okay. This is uh as he's Antonio Banderas is in that, so I was just trying to reference his acting. But I agree with you. It's all Joaquin. You know, I'm think I was trying to look up real quick what the name of that film was, but I think that was a couple of years ago. This is his Antonio working with Pedro <laughs> uh, Al 
Almodora, I believe is how he says his name, uh, a longtime collaborator where he essentially plays a version of him. Oh, Antonio is a fantastic actor. Um, and that's why it's getting a lot of buzz as far as his performance. You'll see those kind of things where people are really talking because they, they all kind of realize the absurdity of this. But Joaquin's performance in Joker, without him, you don't have that movie. He is that important. He's as important as the director is in that film. Right. All right. So we've got actor in a leading role uh, locked in. Oh, good Lord. Music's still going. Stop. Um, all right. Let's go. Let me close this. I'm sorry. I apologize. Next, we're going to actor in a supporting role. And with those actors, here's Todd. That would be Tom Hanks, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Anthony Hopkins, The Two Popes. Al Pacino, The Irishman. Joe Pesci, The Irishman. And Brad Pitt, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So supporting Ooh. actor, you know, it, no less, it, it, it's also the craziness sometimes of, Hey, they're supporting and not a feature role that really comes down to, uh, I, I think in some ways, uh, an example would be once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah. DiCaprio has the technical lead, but Brad Pitt's character is as important to the story as DiCaprio is. And I think that's just them saying, we kind of have to go one or the other. Tell me what you think of, of these five nominees. What Which one stood out to you this year? Um, so I agree with you. Uh, Tom Hanks, uh, outstanding performance in it, but I don't think that that is where the Academy is headed this year. Uh, the Two Popes, uh, I, I've seen that. Uh, Anthony Hopkins, again, what I'm seeing is a bunch of really, really, really heavy hitters, multiple winners, especially when you start looking at Al Pacino, Joe Pesci, and, of course, uh, Hopkins and Hanks. So my pick is Brad Pitt because I think – it may be time for them to get a nod. And he was, he was really good in that movie. You know, I, I think that's a very, very safe bet. Now he's won an Oscar for producing 12 years a slave. He's never won for his acting. And we had a discussion probably a year ago about, and it may have been for the Oscar moment when we talked about actors that are the same in every role. Yeah. I, I stood up for Brad Pitt because I think that, you know, you look at 12 Monkeys, he has the capability of doing things. Yet, this performance in this film, really, when you kind of take it away, and let's compare it to one of my favorite films that he's ever been in, A River Runs Through It, the characterization, the delivery is not that different. Right? Is he good in this role? Yeah, but is he doing anything as a stretch? So I think Brad, Brad Pitt wins because they want to give him, you know, they want to give him an award. <laughs> I right. think Joe Pesci deserves it. I think Pesci was transcendent in that role in The Irishman. Made me see him, you know, I the way I think of Pesci or his performances in Raging Bull and Goodfellas, where he's a manic. In this one, it's calm, it's collected. It's more terrifying right. because of that. So this is where I get into it. I hate award shows because <laughs> he's great. Pitt deserves some recognition for being a great actor. And these other three men, you can't argue. You're right. Those are massive heavy, heavy hitters. You cannot look away from what they bring to a film the moment they, they step into it. All right. So we're, we're both picking Brad Pitt for actor in a supporting role. Moving on to actress in a leading role. We have uh, Cynthia Erivino, Harriet, Scarlett Johansson, Marriage Story. Um, oh, boy. Saoirse Ronan. Thank you. Saoirse Ronan, Little Women, Charlie Sharon. Bombshell and Renee Zellweger, uh, Judy. Hmm. Do you want to tell me your pick first? I haven't seen any of these movies. <laughs> None of them. None of them. 
I've not I've not seen all of them, and and yeah. I, I I have Judy on my DVR downstairs, and I'm very hesitant to watch Harriet because I've yeah. heard that while her performance is outstanding, I've heard the film is a little bit. Um, I'll get to it eventually. This is another one where it, it it's been locked for so long. It'll take a shot to to jar this up, and it goes to Renee Zellweger for Judy. Um, she, let, let's look at the the math here. She's tackling a Hollywood icon. In fact, ah. the word icon almost deserves to have Judy Garland's picture next to it. Right. She wears a bit of uh, heavy makeup to make herself look more along those lines. This is an era when that person was falling apart because of drugs and other things. She's tackling a hard role, which is my star has faded, which to an extent you can, I'm not saying hers is faded, but people could say, Hey, we haven't seen you in a while. This is a comeback vehicle. This is the type of thing that the Academy goes. Yes. And I think that it's locked up now. If you, so if you're going to go in your pool, you would be, really unwise to pick against judy mm. it wins if if you're going on sentiment i think saoirse ronan in little women gives a performance that is a beating her chest going i'm one of the most vibrant actresses of my young generation so yeah. there are there are a lot of ladies here and i heard bombshell i heard theron was great she disappears into that role you can even look at that picture that's on the academy awards site and you can see what they've done to her to make her look different. Scarlett Johansson any other year probably wins as well. Yeah. Uh, that's a great performance in marriage story. I'm so glad I wrote my answer down before uh, you gave your answer because um, I am, I'm, we've been, you know, uh, we've had the same votes for the, for the uh, first two categories. I'm going to break with you here. I think that little women is not going to get best picture. I think this is going to be their first opportunity to give a nod. So I'm going to go with, um, Ronan with Little Women. And ladies and gentlemen, Todd for the win. Right. <laughs> All right, let's move on to actress in a supporting role. We have Kathy Bates, Richard Jewell, Laura Dern, Marriage Story, Scarlett Johansson, Jojo Rabbit, Florence Hugh, Little Women, and Margot Robbie for Bombshell. Todd, what's your pick? All right. Uh, you got Johansson here again. I heard her performance in this is fantastic. I, of course, as already mentioned, have not seen it. I think Florence Pugh is outstanding in a role that in that story is often maligned as being the backstabbing sister. But the with, with her performance and the director's writing, they found ways to empower her as a woman who is seeking a way to forge her life in the world. All of that is secondary because Laura Dern wins here's why marriage story is a great film by a director that they really really admire she gives a performance that is both mesmerizing and somehow parallel to the struggle of of marriage in its own way and then when you top it off that she is the child of hollywood royalty yes. it all puts together a bow that they say laura dern here you go once again, Todd, very logical, very well put together. I'm also breaking with you on this one, and I am going with Scarlett Johansson with Jojo Rabbit. Um, I give the edge to me because I've seen the movie and you have not. Uh, <laughs> she actually, actually transforms herself into a unicorn, no makeup or anything. So I think that's going to get the Oscar. Good Lord. After that weird alien movie where she is naked for most of the movie and walks around with like no expression on her face. Have you seen that one? Mm -mm. 
That's a very bizarre film. So she does that, and then she becomes a unicorn in this film. Yeah, <laughs> man, that that is an actress that is to be dealt with right, right there. Uh, so just just go ahead and give me that point. All right, animated feature film. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, I Lost My Body, Kloss, Missing Link, and Toy Story 4. I'll go first here because uh, Todd went first the last couple times. Uh, I have seen absolutely none of these. So once again, my strategy of losing is kicking in again this year. However, I Lost My Body is getting a lot of talk, and it's on. Uh, it's available on um, Netflix. I'm trying to get the sounder here. And I've started a few times and then inevitably, hey, can you make me a sandwich? Uh, I think <laughs> I think the dog is on fire, uh, has come up, so I've had to put it back down. But that's my pick right there without knowing anything about it. I lost my body. You know, I, I've not seen any of these either. I want to see the How to Train Dragon because surprisingly, those films have been really good. Um Klaus, I've heard wonderful things about, and I really want to see it because I love revisionist stories about things like the Santa Claus Mm -hmm. legend. Um, Toy Story 4 didn't get around to it, heard great things about it, but I'll tell you the one that my uneducated opinion is going to go with is Missing Link because I continue to hear things about it. I'm going to be, if you're doing your pull and you want a safe bet, go with Toy Story 4. Go with that. But I'm going to go with Missing Link. This is one of my first where I'm just going to go off of what I feel instead of what I think. Nice. All right. Um, We're going to move on to the category of uh, cinematography. Here we have The Irishman, Joker, The Lighthouse, 1917, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, To me, it's hands down. This is one of the easiest ones. It's going to be 1917. I think you're right. I think if you're picking in your pool, 1917 is the one that makes you go, okay. Now, each one of these, if you go back and look through the reviews and the critiques, all of their cinematography was lauded. Um, But the one that even more so than 1917 is The Lighthouse. Yes. they Many reviews and and, uh, film write-ups were saying that the cinematography is as important as the performances of the two actors. So I think 1917 wins because of the monumental feat of constructing it out of an ongoing series of shots. I think the lighthouse has the possibility to sneak in. So if you're trying to find one that may surprise everybody, lighthouse may be it. Absolutely. 1917, just a little known fact for those kind listeners out there. It's the only movie ever made in one take. All right, let's move on to costume design. Uh, Here we have the Irishman, Jojo rabbit, Joker, little women, once upon a time in Hollywood, Todd. And if your your pool gets down to Hollywood trivia, don't go on what Jeff <laughs> just said. That's not correct. All right, costume design. This is always kind of a weird one. Yeah. Um, there's no there's no Marvel movie to win it this year. No, and I think Joker is a very interesting film because it takes a look from the '70s '80s, transposes it on to today. You've got got a whole bunch of stuff going on with his costume. I don't think it's the strong enough. If I'm looking at the ones that could win, it's either little women or it's Jojo rabbit. They used to go with a period piece and I'm going to, I'm going to go, man, this, this is one where I'm really just throwing crap at the wall. I'm going to go Jojo rabbit. I think that's a pretty safe bet. If you're doing your Oscar pool, Jojo rabbit or little women are your safe bets here. For those of us that have a film IQ of negative 60, I, in my in my own mind, I'm going with Little Women because I think 
Uh, if I look back over my choices here real quick, the only other uh, winner I have from uh, Little Women is actress in a leading role. So I'm thinking here they may throw them another little nod. And like you said, yeah. the period, period piece is, is strong. So we got that locked in. I think that's a definite way of looking at it, Jeff. I mean, there's a lot of sentiment that they are not doing enough to look at films right. by lower, lesser known talent and especially women. All right, let's move on to directing. And one thing, I'm, this is off their their official site. By the way, the Oscars are on ABC. They're live Sunday, February 9th. Uh, Todd is, I think he's getting bailed out or something's happening, so he can't watch. I will be traveling on business, so he, uh, uh, I won't be able to watch. So we ask you, the kind listener, watch the Oscars on ABC live Sunday, 9, uh, February 9th, 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific. All right. Directing. Weird thing here is this is directly off the site. They don't even say who the director is. So we've got The Irishman, Joker, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. Then let me say the nominees are for The Irishman, Martin Scorsese. For Joker, Todd Phillips. For 1917, Sam Mendez. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is Quentin Tarantino. And Parasite is Bong Joon-ho. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. All right, take it away. You know, this one's a little... A little hard this year um and it goes down to what i said about um about the sentiment that we're beginning to see for parasite i i if if i'm putting money on it i pick sam mendez for 1917 it is it's a well-made film it's a moving film it's a director doing something that is a monumental directing task. You know, it, once again, going back to what I said before about a, how a director answers every question, if you can imagine every question being, oh, we have to nail this nine to 10 minute shot. The so first time, yeah. the mud's got to be right. The explosion has to be timed right. The costumes have to be right. The performances, everything has to, and you have to rehearse and rehearse. And we talked and we talked, when we talked about it, God almighty, I can't talk. <laughs> when we talked about it, Sam, Sam Mendez has a stage background, which I'm sure yes. assisted that beautifully. So yeah. I think Sam Mendez wins this. I think for your Oscar poll, that's a very safe bet. I'm going to go with Sam Mendez. I will not be surprised at all if Bong Joon-ho wins. Right. When they did the Academy uh, luncheon where they all the nominees get together, you can go look at the the, uh, the pool of photographs that are released. You can see almost everybody get a picture with him. Mm. They're all like, oh, my God, he's, the, he's great. And I will say this. I got to go back and watch some of his other films because I may not have liked it, but I was at least intrigued enough to go, the dude's got chops as far as it goes. But, again, go Sam Mendes. That's your safe bet. Uh, I'm going to agree with you on here. I think 1917 is going to win. Um, and I will say, I've, I, out of all of these, the only one I haven't seen is Parasite. Um, because I, I just wasn't in the mood the other day to read a movie. And um, the movie, af after seeing all of these, for me, the one that was most visually that has come back to me or I've thought uh, about a scene or have seen something that has reminded me of something that was in the movie is 1917. Uh, just so well done and very, it, it is the, it is the upper echelon when it comes to uh, commanding uh, a crew and, and actors and then, and then leading your audience on, on a great visual ride. 
I, I agree. And I think when you also look at the simple fact, and let's get into how this breaks down, the DGA, the Directors Guild of America, has already awarded Sam Mendez this year. That's the by far the largest voting portion of the Academy that will contribute to the selecting of this award. Usually you can look and those go lockstep. Occasionally they change. I think Sam Mendes wins. Right. All right. That's locked in. Let's go to documentary feature. We have American Factory, The Cove, The Edge of Democracy, or Sama and Honeyland. And I apologize. My eyeballs are getting old. Man, I, I, I'll admit to not having a chance to see a single one of these this year. Okay. I, I, I'm looking through this and I'm trying to think if any of them really make a, a, a stick for me. So I'm going to go with the math of what is the message. And I'm going to select the edge of democracy due to our troubled times. I think that the majority of people don't see these films unless there's a huge wave of sentiment going on. I, I have heard something about American factory, but I'm going to go with edge of democracy. Uh, I'm going to break with you here. And uh, I, I'm in the same boat you are, so to speak. I have not seen any of these, um, but I'm going to go with Honeyland because if there was a land that was made of honey, I would want to be there. Now, again, this is where Jeff finds out that Honeyland, just like the one that was about uh, last year, that was about women menstruating. And I made a joke, not knowing what the movie was about. <laughs> Jeff will come back and go, I apologize to all the kind listeners who were offended by the Honeyland. So I sh I'll look up right now as we get into the next category and I'll see if I've already stepped in some in a bear trap. Uh, we'll move from documentary feature to documentary short subject with the nominees. Here's Todd. For documentary short, short subject, God, I cannot talk today. <laughs> in the absence, learning to skateboard in a war zone. Ooh. Life overtakes me. St. Louis Superman. Walk, walk rain, cha-cha. All right, here I go again with not having seen any of these. Um, I love the title of learning to skateboard in a war zone. I That tells me so much about the film that I'm about to sit down and see. I think in some ways it's much like when you finally see the film parasite, if you don't at the end of it go, yeah, I don't know that you could call it anything else. Right. Um, I'm going to go with that learning to skateboard in a war zone. I like the title. It's the one that if given a choice, I would watch first. Um, St. Louis Superman has that feeling. Uh, when I look at the image, that's along with it of an intimate little story that probably resonates deeply. But again, not seeing any of them learning, learning to skateboard in Warzone. And that's a safe thing when you're picking a pool, just go with something like that because sometimes that's how they vote because people can vote and they don't have to have watched it. You do not have to have seen the film to vote for it. There you go. Uh, a quick rewind. Honeyland is uh, described as this. The last female bee hunter in Europe must save the bees and return the natural balance. And Honeyland, when a family of nomadic beekeepers invade her land, and threaten her livelihood. So I think I'm safe there with my little Honeyland joke, unless it turns out really, really bad. You really should do a little pre-pro every once in a while so you don't step into it. And to be fair, here we go, St. Louis Superman, since you did it, Bruce Franks Jr. is a 34-year-old rapper, Ferguson activist, and state representative from St. Louis, Missouri, known as the Superman to his constituents. Okay, it's a political film. Right. You know, it doesn't win. Um. I'm, I'm just going to go with life overtakes me because, you know, that happens. Pop culture overtakes me. Uh, yep. General general knowledge of anything overtakes me, pretty much. Um, all right, so those are locked in. Let's go into film editing. Ford versus Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, and Parasite. So 
this is where my my comment earlier doesn't play in because 1917 is not going to get a nominee a nomination whenever you know i don't know if i've ever seen the final number of edits but it's less than 20 yeah you're looking at a normal film a, a scene alone between two people is probably going to have 20 edits in it yes um so you're not going to it's not going to end up here that's not its feet now is it still difficult to do that and to make sure it, it cuts exactly where it needs to and they've hidden the transitions yes but i think if i'm looking at this i i'll be a little surprised if parasite doesn't get this okay I think the sentiment again, that this is a film that will be remembered for a long time. I think that this parasite again, could be the shocker of this because you go back to the artist, the film in black and white, that was a silent film that won a few years back. It was a surprise what? and people awarded it. So I think you could be getting the same thing here with parasite. Okay. So you're, you're locking in parasite. I think that's just way of telling me to shut up. No, no. Whenever he starts going, you're locking in. That means let's move along. Well, I'm just trying to keep us on time here. Um, Parasite. Okay. And then I'm going with um, The Irishman. Okay. Thelma Schumacher, his longtime editor, that is somebody that I, she, it's funny. You look at those, those pictures from the luncheon. People were all over getting pictures with her too. She is a legend. She is a master. So I wouldn't be shocked by that either, but I just think the sentiment of wanting to award Parasite wins out here. Boom. International feature film. We have Corpus Christi, Honeyland, Les Merlables, Pain and Glory, and Parasite. First off, that's Les Miserables. Les Miserables. That's based that the name coming from Victor Hugo's famous novel that was adapted into a famous musical. That film were it not for Parasite in this category, Les Miserables would win hands down. But Parasite, whether it wins Best Picture or not, mm. definitely wins international feature film. Now, I do believe, and I could be wrong on this, I'm trying to scourge through the rusty memory things here. Were it to win international feature film and Best Film, it would be the first to do so, I think. First or second. Ooh. I'd have to look that up. Uh, for some reason, it says first in my mind, but I'm not entirely sure. But that is not something that happens often. So I, I think without a question, Parasite is a lock here. So for the kind listeners uh, out there, I did see just the slightest twinge of excitement on Todd's face when he did that last one. So we got those locked in. I'm locking in. That's my days. I just met Sometimes a girl. Sometimes do you want to lose to me? <laughs> I just met a girl named Maria. Um... <laughs> Makeup and hairstyling, bombshell, Joker, Judy, Maleficent, the Mistress of Evil, 1917. So this one's actually a little hard. Bombshell, one of the biggest things it got was the transformation for Shelley's Theron into, I forget which one of those ladies she plays, Megan Kelly, I think. But it also got a huge knock for the wig that they put on, uh, what's her name? Nicole Kidman. I mean, everybody was like, good Lord, you did such a mass magnificent transfer here. And that looks awful. Right. Joker. I do think the makeup is pretty interesting, but it doesn't have that feat of, wow. I think this is kind of a toss up for me between 1917 and Judy. Um, Maleficent, it, it, if it wins, it's because they want to go Disney. You did a good job making Angelina Jolie look scarier than she is. Right. So, I'm trying to think here. I think your your easy lock is 1917 if in your pool. Go 1917. And that's where I'm going to put my money. I am will oh. not be surprised should Judy win. All right. I had you written down for Judy. So I'll change your answer. And I'm going with Joker. I think there's okay. enough there. Yeah. 
All right, locked in. Uh, original score, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, and Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Also known as we're going to bring a guy that was dead seven films ago, and oh my God, he's alive, and he's amassed a huge army, and he has these awesome powers. But that title was too long. That's why they went with Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> why didn't they call it Rise of Palpatine? Yeah, yeah. Why didn't they call it the Rise of Evil? If they were gonna, if they were going to give it away in the in in the crawler on the front of the movie, just just put it in the title for God's sake. You know how I always talk when, when we talk about film about, and we're getting into Star Wars talk. <laughs> but when I always talk about if you're going to use the gun at the end of the movie, yes. you must show the gun at the first. Yes, they've done nothing in that new trilogy to ever say, "Hey, by the way, the Emperor might be still alive." Yeah. The, and, and how sad is that the biggest reveal in the entire series, and I'm sorry, folks, we'll continue in a second, came in the second movie where Darth Vader says that he's he's uh, Luke Skywalker's father. I mean, okay. And that concludes Star Wars talk here on The Other Kind Radio. We're back to the Oscars. Original score, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, Star Wars. No, I want to say it again. <laughs> So this one to me becomes a toss up, but it also has a hard element in it. And that is that John Williams, this is his last time to score a Star Wars film. So when you get down to the whole Academy Award garbage that happens, there is that underlying notion they could give Williams the Academy Award because this is his last time. We're talking nine films that he's been a part of. Yeah. So... Man, if that's the sentiment, then I don't want to be a part of it. I, I, I've that that score. It's it's John Williams doing a great job, but it's nothing new. It's the same song. It is, and there there are a few new themes mixed in, but it's still it's like, hey, it's whatever it is. To me, there's almost no question that it's it's a toss up between Thomas Newman for 1917, and I'm going to mispronounce this lady's name, Hildur Gondorotir for Joker. Perfect. Her her film, I to me, if I'm awarding it, I give it to her because her she is a cellist and decided, from what I understand, to simply pull out the cello to start playing with themes and send them to Todd Phillips, the director, and said, "Here's one thing I played on the cello." And he's like, "Don't take it off of that." Because and then if you hmm. watch the bathroom scene when he's sort of transferring into the mentality of the Joker for the first time, her cello beneath that is the twisting of his mind. Yeah, I think it's so integral to the success of that film that it has to be awarded. So my money is with her for Joker. All right, Todd Hotzler, Todd has Joker. I'm going with the sentiment in the icky stickiness of Hollywood, and I'm going with uh, the rise of Skywalker. I'm just wondering if he's going to get into like the same argument that uh, Vanilla Ice did when he said he didn't rip off Under Pressure by Queen, where John Williams will be like, "No, the first one was do 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 do," and the and the ninth movie it was do 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 do. Very subtle differences there, but that's the mastery of music. You realize the, the difference is he wrote both of them, right? Right. Okay. As he, long as you knew that Vanilla Ice didn't write it and John Williams <laughs> did write it. Hey, I'm cool with it. And if you win on that, I am going to virtually reach out and punch you. That's all I'm, I'm saying. Welcome to uh, Todd Crushes Jeff's Argument. Um, all right. Very good point. Um, lock, long walk for a short stick there for the listener. Okay. We're getting close. We've got a few other left. Uh, original song. I can't let you throw yourself away. Toy Story Two. I'm gonna love me again. Rocket Man. Sorry, uh, five-year-old brain kicking in. 
Um, I'm standing with you. Breakthrough into the unknown, Frozen Two, and stand up, Harriet. All right, this one's this one's difficult. You got Randy Newman writing for Toy Story. Everyone loves Randy Newman. Um, by the way, uh, Randy Newman, uh, famous film composer, The Natural, that theme you hear in baseball parks, also cousin of Thomas Newman, nominated for 1917. Little known trivia fact. Boom. If you need trivia for your Oscar party, there you go. Bonus. You've got, I'm going to love me again, Elton John and Bernie Toppin. There is a huge sentiment that you got there to let these guys win the Oscar for that. Here's where this, uh, to me, is a three-way race that I don't know how to pick. You've also got Diane Warren writing, I'm standing with you from Breakthrough. Breakthrough, not a film that everybody talks about, but Diane Warren is one of the, one of the biggest pop composers out there who writes stuff for movies and has been nominated and never won. Ooh. So to me, the real toss up is going to between the, the song from rocket man and her song from breakthrough. Looking at this, I'm going to be honest. God, that's hard. <laughs> it, it does come down to sentiment. Cause Randy Newman's one, um, into the unknown from frozen. Have you seen frozen Two, Jeff? No. I, look, the, the the couple that composed the film for that, they're the ones that helped write the music for Book of Mormon. They've got chops. They're great. Um, I, I don't think that stands a chance. Pick a number between 1 and 10. 17. I mean, 7. 1917? Yeah. All right, then I'm going to go with I'm Standing With You by Diane Warren. That's what it comes down to is I do think it's a toss between those two. And I do think the sentiment that she's never won could win out here. I'm going to go, I'm going to break from you and I'm going to go with stand up Harriet. Cause it's just, it's clear. It's to the point. It's very just, you know, Hey man, stand up Harriet. Let's go walk around get some ice cream. Can, can I say that sometimes <laughs> being in a contest with you is as if I'm the Kansas city chiefs. Oh boy. Here we go. And you are the I'm a swimmer Allen high school football team. <laughs> yeah. Why would you do that? I it, look, maybe, maybe you're right. And this, this can happen. You could have those two things split a vote because the very thing that I've said two Hollywood legends, you want to award them. And that one rises up. So there you go. There's there you Jeff's, go. I've found Jeff's path to victory. Boom. All right. Ooh, big one here. Best picture Ford versus Ferrari, the Irishman, Jojo rabbit, Joker, little women, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. No. Stop. I'm going to make you go first this time. Okay. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, 1917. I think 1917 wins. Don't be surprised if Parasite pulls out the win. Um, again, if you're going in a weighted system where some awards get you more points, Parasite could be a very shrewd move because should it win, you could mess up a lot of other things and, and pull this off. Right. So if you've got that kind of system, go with Parasite, but I think 1917 has it locked up. All right. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight more categories. So we're going to call this the lightning eight round. Here we go. Production design, Irishman, Jojo Rabbit. 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite. I'm looking, I'm looking. I think that has to go to 1917. All right. I think this is going to be a nod to Once Upon a Time uh, in Hollywood. And Safe. what's that? 
Safe. Yep, good safe. Animated short film. Now, here's what it's all going to come down to, kind listener, real quick. I've seen most of these. This is my this is my secret power card that I'm going to play. We're going to be tied. It's going to be neck and neck. And this is going to be the category because I took the time to watch the films. It's going to put me in the lead. And I get I get the crown for the next year. Animated short film. We have, good Lord, I need glasses. Uh, Desera, Desero, Hair Love, Pitbull, Memorable, and Sister. Animated I'm short go- film. I'm going with Hair Love. I've read things about it, so it gets on my radar. I have two. That's what I'm going with. Good job. Live action short film, Brotherhood, Nefta, uh, Nefta Football Club, The Neighbor's Window, Sar- uh, Saria, and A Sister. You get to pick first the time. I'm going with The Neighbor's Window. I'm going to go with Brotherhood. And next category is very important. Uh, the next category is sound, sound editing, sound editing, Ford versus Ferrari, Joker, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Star Wars, The Rise of... <laughs> the Rise of the title that should have been something else so that we could understand that it's not the same film regurgitated over and over. <laughs> I want to put that on the poster. Um, I, I think this has to be 1917. I agree with you. Locked in. All right, now we go to sound mixing. Ad Astra, Ford versus Ferrari, Joker, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So just anybody who wants to know, sound editing, the accumulation and and placing of the sound effects, mixing is creating the sound landscape. So there is a difference between the two. I think 1917 again. Okay, got you for 1917. I am breaking with you on this, and I think this is the only time we'll hear this film uh, mentioned or win an award, and that's Ford versus Ferrari. Uh, There was a lot of work that went into making those cars sound the way they did. All right, what I need visual effects we have really avengers endgame the irishman lion king 1917 and star wars i'll go first and i'm gonna go with the irishman because of the de-aging technology that's my nerd pick for 2019 I, I will tell you one, one of the coolest things, if you want to do this, go out there. They actually released the film that is submitted to show the effects that are done. Have you ever seen one of those, Jeff? Yes. They recently released the one for Rise of Skywalker. And I have to say some of the work they did in that was just stupendous. It is, Ooh. man, some of the things they did to bring Carrie Fisher back into the film and changing what she was in. Those are amazing. But, you know, 1917, while it's got a, it, it's mostly in camera effects, as far as I understand, Avengers, I don't know that the Academy is going to award a Marvel film, so I'm going to go with Irishman as well. All right. All right. Last two categories. Adapted screenplay, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, and Two Popes. I think that it goes to Little Women for Greta Gerwig. I think this is her consolation prize, which, again, is wrong. Um, She wins. It's that it's wrong that that's what they do and how they treat it. Wow. Adapted screenplay. Adapted from a screenplay. I am going to go with Jojo Rabbit. Okay. On that one. All right. Last category. Original screenplay. Knives Out. Marriage Story. 1917. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Parasite. Before you get into this, if Tarantino doesn't win for anything else, 
and he wins this. He, you think how? What is his? How pissed is he going to be on a scale from one to ten? He's not pissed. He he knows. You know, you want to talk about somebody that knows the history of all this stuff. Got it. He'll probably get up and he. I could even see him saying something about that. Ah. Um, this is a toss up for me between Marriage Story, because Marriage Story again by a young director and also the domestic partner of the Little Women director Greta Gerwig. They are a couple. Um, that he he is very respected. Really liked that film. Is very well made. I'm going to be surprised if Parasite doesn't get it. I, that's what I'm going to put my money on. But if if there's one that's going to surprise me that beats it, it's Marriage Story. I think if you're making your pool, Parasite's your safe bet. Quentin Tarantino already has it. I, yeah. I they could award it here. This is see, this is why award shows are such <laughs> garbage. There's you're not looking for the best winner. It's the who do we console because they didn't get something else? Right, Gar- garbage. What do you think? So this is going to be my surprise pick for, I, I said 2019 earlier, I guess it's the 2019 release 2020 Oscars, but I'm going to go with knives out. I did see this. It is everything that is right. That was wrong with murder mystery with, uh, Adam Sandler. It's very, <laughs> it's uh, very clever. It's a whodunit. Yes. It's uh, you got the guy that plays, um, that plays James Bond. Mm-hmm. What's his name? Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig, who I give him credit for. I think this role was something that a lot of people would like see it beneath them, but he plays mm-hmm. it and he plays it really well. Um, they also just announced they're going to come out with Knives Out 2, mm-hmm. which means it'll be horrible. Um, but I'm going to go with I, Knives Out. I, I love your pick because if somebody, I, I was just thinking, I'm looking through this and I always do this when I look at all that sentiment, this is how it works. I always go, which one affected me the most? And Knives Out affected me the most. Ryan Johnson. I have beaten to a pulp with my criticism of his work on Last Jedi. I still think it's a sloppy film. I think it's an overindulgent film. Everything that was wrong with that is more than right with Knives Out and proves why initially I was so stoked when he stepped in to do Star Wars because his films preceding it were great. Yeah. This is a fantastic movie. It is so smart, yet it doesn't speak down to its audience. It is so funny, yet it isn't cloying. It, 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 you could go on every end of that spectrum. It's this and it's not that. I, it's one of my favorite films of the year. I walked out of there with a huge smile on my face. Yeah. Loved that movie. All right, so you're locking that one in? Well, I'm going with Parasite. I oh. like Knives Out, but I don't think it stands a chance of winning. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. So that's it. Kind of listener, you've survived the second annual Oscar Todd versus Jeff uh, competition. Um, thank you for joining us. Yeah. Good job. And we'll see what those results are. We'll follow our Twitter accounts, uh, and uh, I'll probably post something on uh, Instagram. Um, I do think we should, uh, before we say goodbye, and I know you're, we're running short on time, we did uh, lose an iconic uh, actor this past week, uh, Kirk Douglas, right? Yes. Uh, so I, I don't know if you have any thoughts or anything on him. Obviously, Spartacus, probably one of the biggest roles he ever played. But uh, one the one comment I'll make is Mark Marin, uh, the funny man he is, and I was kind of shocked he did this, uh, tweeted out, um, gone too soon. Uh, after hearing that Kirk Douglas died, of course, that man lived to be 103. Um, so a little dark, but, uh, uh, funny nonetheless thoughts, Todd. Well, that is incredibly funny. Um, (laughs) I, 
I look at somebody like Kirk Douglas, and he is that bridge between the old classic Hollywood star, the overly handsome, earnest star that somehow still exposed himself to roles that were challenging. He was in Kubrick's Paths of Glory and Spartacus. Lots of things that weren't just the easy choices. Uh, Paths of Glory remains to this day uh, to be considered one of the great war films of all time. Just a very interesting man that, look, he hadn't done anything relevant in a long time, and it doesn't matter because he was just so huge when it comes to the history of, of Hollywood. Well said. All right. That's going to conclude this episode, episode 79 of The Other Kind Radio. Many, many thanks to my podcast partner, Todd. I'm giving him a virtual camera hug right now, which he is... Yes, he, he looks a little uncomfortable. Uh, Todd, thanks for your time. And now he's showing me field goal posts with both of his hands. Okay. Um, anyway, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll see what the outcome is. Do you want to let the kind listener know that uh, due to business travel, we will not have an episode on February 14th, Valentine's Day. That's good anyway. You don't need to be focusing on us. Um, but we'll be back on the 21st. Again, if you're listening on any of the podcatching software, please like, subscribe so we can keep doing the show. Again, thanks to Todd. Thank you, audience. Just remember, we are The Other Kind Radio. Radio. The Other Kind Radio.